Dude, that kid is scared of the tooth fairy. There was a, a episode. Oh, well, you really think about it, man. Uh, some creepy bastard. There was an episode of Teen Titans where they had the tooth fairy. Oh, yeah, we're eating the teeth. Da, 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 that, that thing. And yep. uh, Quinn wants nothing to fucking do with the tooth fairy. Absolutely nothing since that episode of Teen Titans. Yeah, well, I could see rats a little creepy. Yeah. Totally freaked her out. The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. This is your United States of America. That's got topics for days, and it'll leave you in a haze. Hosted by two mother that like to talk about everything news, sports, politics, pro wrestling, people jumping off buildings, taco shops, top 10 lists, and more. It's got one guy who likes to get high on a lot of grass, and the other guy who got shot in the ass. And now, here's your host of the Hitting the Marks podcast, Jargo and RBV. Thanks, MSG. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to an all-new edition of the Hitting the Marks podcast right here at the HTM Podcast Network online, hittingthemarks.com, as well as Hameen Media Group, hameenmediagroup.podbean.com, hackerhameen.podbean.com. I am the aforementioned Dr. Jargo. That's my tag team partner. He's the man, the myth, the legend. He's not wearing Bengals gear this week. He's the real RBV. Rick, welcome back to your show. Yes, the RBV, Richard Bronson Vickery. Back again, the Hitting the Marks podcast. But you know, before before we get this incredible run, uh, all the headlines that we've got to touch base on here to Jargo today, I, I, I want to reach out to, to all of our listeners. You know, whatever, whenever you might be listening, this is this is going to be truly relevant. Uh, if you happen to be around a loved one, around anyone, I ask that, that you take that person's hand and that all of you, you know, please just lower your heads. Not really for a moment of silence, but but true prayer for those deeply in need as you know not just some of the but the most in pe- most important people in the world dealing with true tragedy yes ladies and gentlemen it's headlines everywhere almost the world has stopped new york city with nearly two feet of snow jar go I, I your heart has to go out for these to these individuals uh, yeah yeah i'm i really feel for those on the east coast uh, but we got a blizzard warning again. Yeah. Oh, oh, they have those elsewhere. Oh, yeah, yeah. That that tends to happen around here. Um, I, I, uh, okay. I, I, you know, according you know the news and and social media, the outpour, uh, just the urgency that you that you see from those individuals in and around New York City. 
I, I wasn't sure, you know, if that really uh, touched other people in the world. I, I believe it was our, our, our friend uh, Ross Berman. You know, he's been hanging out over on Thomas Island here on the Patreon lately. But uh, he had put a post up on Twitter, and he was like, you know, what, what do you call a nor'easter in the, in the middle of the week? Can that hit the Midwest? And I was like, I think we call that, you know, Wednesday. You know, it's just become a regular occurrence. Our, our meteorologist uh, on the morning show the other day had made a comment that we are 12 inches above where we typically are for this time of year. And we are currently expecting another 12 to 15 inches, including another freaking blizzard. We are under a blizzard warning here in the Hawkeye State uh, coming through again tomorrow. And then we have another chance for snow on Saturday and then another one come like next Tuesday. And Rick, I, I think Ohio probably is in on this too. I have come to figure out that what Groundhog Day really is, for those of us in the Midwest, it's the, okay, enough, I'm sick of this shit, can we get it over with season? I, I can see that, fully see that there, but hey, in, in all joking about those in New York, those those dirty, selfish bastards, the, the cesspool of America. But when it comes to overreacting for weather, though, I don't think anybody does it better than when you get down to the uh, the lower coastal states there, uh, a little bit inland, Tennessee down there. I mean, they get a dusting. They're just absolutely oh, yeah. not prepared. Right. Uh, you, I mean, you a snow shovel down there is like striking gold back in the old west the thing i don't understand is how is this like a new occasion to the northeast like they get bad snowstorms all the time it's not like you know boston hasn't seen its share of snow it's not like new york hasn't seen its share of snow like you're you're the biggest city in the world how are you not prepared for this you know well come on you know you take into account everything else going on in the world jargo and those poor individuals up there they they haven't done anything to to earn uh, another strike of tragedy like this? I mean, we're, we're talking about New Yorkers, right? Everybody loves New Yorkers. The whole world turns to them for support. They haven't done anything to call for, for this kind of just piling on uh, of tragedy after tragedy. You, you bring up the snowstorm. Did you see the giant super spreader event in uh, Times Square yesterday? They had a giant snowball fight, like hundreds of people out there running around without masks on, fucking throwing snowballs at each other. People are like, oh, look, a snow fight. And I'm like, oh, look, a super spreader event. This is great. Just what New York City needs. Yeah, in most cases, I wouldn't give it a second of thought. But, you know, when, when you're up on that pedestal and you're preaching, but hey, the state has to open back up. They have to. It's time. Yeah, I got to love all these these governors and mayors opening their cities back up right after, you know, Biden gets elected. Like, that wasn't predictable whatsoever. Looking at you, Gavin Newsom. We're going to talk about Beetlejuice here in just a little bit. But uh, first, we got to get to your weekend update brought to you by our friends over at JustCBDStore.com. Promo code HTM, 20% off of your order at JustCBDStore.com. Love their stuff. But, of course, you know what else I love? <laughs> That's right. You bet. You bet. Yeah, we're smoking birthday cake kush. You betcha. It's a great way to unwind, man. Just a little bit of, you don't need a whole lot. I was even warned, like, don't smoke too much of this. You'll be paranoid as fuck. But you will be cool and relaxed and paranoid as fuck. It is the weirdest damn sensation. Huckleberry, I I, I heard you had a little bit of a a run-in with the Jolly Green Giant over the course of the weekend. 
Uh, yeah, I, I thought you know I'd partake a little bit, try to relax. Uh, it, it, it was a it was a long week last week dealing with uh, a couple of funerals, and I do want to thank uh, those individuals out there that that kind of reached out to make sure that I was doing okay and all that. Uh, much appreciated. Uh, again, uh, another uh, another little setback in the family, uh, another life loss, but not forgotten. Will always be cherished, and, and not lived. Uh, 85 years old was my grandmother. Uh, she had a tremendous life, very proud of her upbringing, God-fearing. Got to, got to see six years with great, great, great-grandchildren. So uh, that, that's pretty impressive. But, yeah, you know, I, I thought I'd, I'd kick back and relax a little bit on Saturday. Uh, once again, reconfirming that, that I cannot handle it. Got a message from Rick like 1 o'clock in the morning. How did you know when you first fell in love with Carly? It's just like, holy shit, man, we're, we're getting pretty deep here today. And then I'm getting messages from MSG, and he's like, yeah, Rick told me that if I don't hear from him in like an hour, I'm supposed to call you. And I'm just like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. My ass is going to sleep. Do not call me. I will deal with Rick in the morning. But everything was cool. So I, I never a dull moment when Cincinnati Rick is around. Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for sharing that on there. <laughs> good times man good times also i i got into wandavision this week huckleberry are, are you like a fan of the marvel movie universe whatsoever no uh, i i mean it's not that i have anything against it you know me i, I just don't take a lot of time to sit down and invest myself in uh, these these run of movies here something happens to be on it it'll you know i can get pulled into a story but it's not really one of those that, that i go out of my way I, i've seen some buzz around this thing uh, a lot of hype i have to tell you one i have no idea what it is uh i i will this is all i'm gonna really say about the show because i don't want to get into spoilers or anything not that i really could because you know we're now four episodes in and everybody's confused as shit nobody really knows what in the hell is going on but the way that they shoot this thing, man it's like it, the, the first episode is kind of set in like you know the 60s or the fifties, like they go back and it's like a, I love Lucy kind of thing. And then they go up to like bewitched. And then it's more like, you know, Brady bunch partridge family kind of stuff. And it's like skipping around, but just the artistic direction, cinematography, like even not knowing what in the fuck is going on. It's just like this, this is really, really fun to watch. If you're a fan of the old kind of sitcoms, you know what I mean? Okay. So I got, that might be something I could get behind. I enjoyed watching those when I was growing up and still today. There's a few of those old school sitcoms that if I see one, I'll, I'll stop what I'm doing and and take a look at it. Now, it is funny that you do mention television because I have been turned on to a new series that just debuted last week. Uh, it airs the, the new runs are on Wednesday evenings. Now, they're promoting this thing as a sci-fi channel exclusive or special but you, I've seen it. You can catch it on USA. Uh, I've seen it on a few of their other on their other partner, their sister networks. There, uh, Resident Alien had mm. me completely hooked. Uh, it's pretty much the story of an, an alien comes to Earth. He, he's on this mission. We don't really quite know what it is. I, I, again, I don't want to give away these spoilers, but an accident has left him stranded here. So he has to assume an identity of a human. And he really doesn't have any, he doesn't know our language, any of that. So he has to teach himself that. So as he's going along, 
he's sort of learned. It, it is a, a tremendous dark comedy. You, you mentioned alien stuff. Quinn found a new show on Netflix that she's a big fan of. It's called Alien TV. And there's there's basically like, you know, the, the this like crazy alien news director and he's yelling at these other three aliens to go to Earth and investigate whatever. And there's normally like three of them per episode. And they're just absolutely hilarious when you see the newscast at the end where they try to explain like, you know, what basketball is to the alien race. Fucking hilarious, dude. Absolutely hilarious. Yeah, in in this one, like the mayor, the sheriff is kind of ripping on him and refers to him. The mayor's a, a complete, he's young. Uh, and it's in a very small Colorado town. Uh, not quite South Park, but a very small Colorado <laughs> town. It's set up there in the mountains. Is that where MSG but, is? Yeah, it's right down the street from MSG. It's, I could see what MSG moved there. They probably thought he was a weirdo like this alien. But well, what, now we're kind of blowing his cover, but clearly he was sent to Colorado by Ben Hameen to go and investigate whatever the hell's going on there. Absolutely. Sorry about uh, that. It, it's, go, it's, it's been going crazy since he's moved there. But yeah, but it, it, you know, he's the sheriff calls like the mayor of snowflake. So this guy's like, Oh, mayor snowflake. And they're like, Whoa, whoa, don't call me that. He's like, well, that's your name. (laughs) So he's trying to learn and adapt on the fly here. He's completely awkward. So the situations that he finds himself in and just not knowing how to interact with other humans. And, and then there's a kid who can actually see through his facade. So in a little side story, he's trying to kill this kid. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. I like it. So it, it, it airs right after uh, Dynamite and NXT. You can find it on Sci-Fi. Last week they had it on USA as well. Uh, that's where I got turned on to it is the NXT was the lead into it, and I thought I'd check it out. Uh, absolutely hooked. Love it. Of course, also over the course of the weekend, it was the Royal Rumble, man. We, we got to see the Rumble. Bianca Belair winning the Women's Rumble, going to WrestleMania, probably to take on Sasha Banks. That seems like the, the logical challenge there and then in a little bit of a swerve i mean rick we called this almost a year ago we were predicting that edge was going to win the rumble but we thought it was going to be going to wrestlemania to face off with wwe champion randy orton um of course drew mcintyre currently holds that title but it seems like the popular pick is edge versus roman reigns at wrestlemania any interest in edge being in the main event of wrestlemania it just it kind of feels a little out of nowhere to me. Really? I, I think this is the perfect storytelling. They, they've actually put something in the place, the, the tale of redemption, chasing a glory that he never lost. I, I know so many individuals that, that were truly upset that you see, and it, these, are, these are people that just can't get outside of their own, of their own little bubble. That think that you want that instant gratification. This is a tremendous coming of age. I mean, this is what you know, Jack. Just Americans, the West, the the, the world. One of those stories of somebody that alt you lose that dream. You're going back for it. You know, as they put over inside of in the Rumble, eleven years since he won his first Rumble. You know, and, and how many years since he had to to leave the WWE. And everyone just wants an instant gratification of why didn't they make a young star laid out perfectly on the Monday locker room. There's not a young star to make for one. Well, but laid out perfectly by Ted McNaylor, Dr. Ted McNaylor on the Monday locker room. 
that's not in a, a single match making a run inside of the Royal Rumble is not how you create a star. It, it takes that long haul. It, it takes time. You have to let that individual struggle. Hardships along the path, the journey up the mountain. And then finally, when they when they achieve that glory, that's when you ultimately feel it. So in a sense, even though Edge has been there before, a Hall of Famer, all the accolades in the world, he is still on one of, of those incredible journeys, th- those great stories that are that to be told. And then on the other side of that, even in, in a shorter term narrative, you have that with Bianca Belair. Who I, I thought, you know, a major hat tip to whoever agented the women's rumble is when you get down there to those three with with Charlotte, with Ripley and Bianca, you know, you think back to a year ago, Jarger, when you were following WWE, the product, when did Bianca Belair really come on everyone's radar? When she was the third wheel in the program between Ripley and Charlotte. The, you don't even go here. That that was the line that really got her over. It, that's, you know, that's everybody really took notice. But then yeah. her athleticism, her strength, her charisma. It was her ability to hold the ring while in there was Charlotte and Rhea Ripley. And all of your attention is focused on Bianca Belair. I mean, that that was really a breakthrough moment for her, even though she was the third wheel. Yes. And then they had that come completely in the incredible run she's had over the year, even despite the creative letdowns right. and speed bumps that they put in her way that she can still shine. That is, that's the stamp of a true superstar that you do not see inside today's WWE. She has that. Uh, and to see her come full circle like that for them to tell that story. And then the tremendous emotion afterwards. And you saw a lot of that same emotion inside the men's match with Edge. So, again, I think both of these choices as your winners inside the women and men's rumbles, absolutely fantastic. Now, that that question going forward, though, what are the stories for each of them heading into WrestleMania? There's a number of of options that they they could lay out, different avenues that they could travel. But I think ultimately, though, as you even look at how this card begins to take shape, a lot of these don't really feel like those true WrestleMania marquees of the past. Yeah. Yeah. And and that, again, that is not anything against the talent. It's just fact. It's on creative. And it's on company policy, the seemingly refusal to truly create those standout uh, superstars. When everyone's a superstar, no one's a superstar. But the, you know, they don't want to even get anyone to that mega star level. It's not going to happen, and I'm absolutely certain of that. But I am intrigued by Edge going to NXT tonight because I expect some kind of an interaction between Edge and Finn Balor, where Finn tries to convince Edge that he should challenge for the NXT Championship at WrestleMania, much like Charlotte did last year with the uh, NXT Women's Championship and Rhea Ripley. I think that's the match I would like to see the most. I, I Personally, I would love to see Edge versus Finn Balor, but they're not going to do that in the main event of WrestleMania. I mean, come the fuck on, right? So I, I think logically it's Edge and Roman Reigns, right? 
it, uh, you know, go back to the original point where that we had there. But I guess real quick on NXT, I, I I love that they're trying to tease us out here to see get people to. I don't think anyone's really set that that this match would happen here between Edge and Finn Balor. I hope during tonight's run, or the, you know, this week's episode, whenever somebody's listening and watching, that they they plant the seeds for potentially Edge coming back to NXT after WrestleMania. Hell, you can even do a takeover between now and WrestleMania and do Edge versus Finn Balor. I would watch the shit out of it. I, I think that would be a really good match. Balor, of the three potential opponents, I think is the best one for Edge because Balor is smaller than Edge. He can create a lot of movement without Edge necessarily doing a whole lot. Like I, My problem with Edge and Roman Reigns is I'm just afraid that it's not going to be that good. Like Of the three matches, that's the one I think I want to see the least, but probably the one they're going to go with. Well, all right. So I, let, let's look at here. Let's say we've got two events. We've got Elimination Chamber and Fastlane between now and WrestleMania. And you you want to get Edge as much work in as possible. You you really want to ride that that pony. You also are looking at different ways to bring more eyes on the NXT product. It's, could at some point could you have Edge just, you know, in their in the conversation, the back and forth between those two. I have Edge say, you know, Finn, I really respect you. You've been around the world. You've done amazing things. I will not be challenging you at WrestleMania. And have Finn cut him off and say, "Well, that you know, I respect that, but I, I, but I'm damn sure going to show you that I'm up on the level of a Drew McIntyre, a Roman Reigns. Why don't me and you hook up at Fastlane? Is like a warm up match. And and Balor can basically say, and if I beat you, then I get your spot." And then you put Edge over. I mean, Balor doesn't lose anything in losing to Edge. That's for goddamn sure. And what and those two go out and put on a spectacular match. You you got people a little more interested in in the NXT product. So hopefully you're growing that brand. Yeah, I, I think that would be a, a great option. Uh, I know that you know Roman Reigns is the popular pick, and there, I, you can easily tell the story there. I think it could be very compelling. But I think there's equally as strong a story with, with Drew McIntyre. Yeah, but I don't think you want to do baby versus baby in the main event of WrestleMania. I mean, it's worked before. WrestleMania is kind of a different beast. You can have other, you know, other components that play into this thing that are, you know, that really act as the antagonist. I'm afraid that you you turn people against Drew McIntyre doing that. Kind of splitting the audience of and I don't think you want to do that with Drew McIntyre. Well, it, I think the biggest you know conversation point inside of that what what are the long term plans for Edge? I mean, is this a WrestleMania run? Is is he going to right. have a, an extended run here with the company? You know, if it was going to be okay, Edge is going to take a hiatus. You know, at least you know through the summer, maybe back at SummerSlam. I think Drew could survive that as long as it's handled as this was the ultimate measure of respect for him is the, even though they have botched it to this point, you do have those roots in place for, you know, this is what this was about. He is one of the most respected champions in this very troubling time that he has carried WWE through this thing. 
I think on the other side of that with Roman Reigns, you just got to continue to further that to, to grow your stock in Roman and just have him put edge down. I think that I, I agree. I, I put Roman over at WrestleMania it, it, just because it's going to piss people off. Um, who does Drew McIntyre face at WrestleMania? Because it seems like Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton are kind of interlocked in this thing. Um, and I don't think either one of them are that sexy of a pick to face McIntyre. No, but they're, they also seem like the only picks to face McIntyre. Unless you want to get into Keith Lee, but it seems like Keith Lee might be on the COVID list because Mia Yim is on well, the COVID list and ain't nobody well, seen Keith Lee I, I for think, like weeks. I think, he'll, I think he'll be okay, Jugger. We, we still got like two and a half months no, until I know, but I, I, I'm just saying he doesn't seem like he is in that equation as of right now. Well, like I said, though, we've got a lot of stops. I just, I, I don't see who you can elevate to that level unless you can get somebody like a Brock Lesnar back. Like, there's nobody on Raw with a big enough name outside of Randy Orton for a, a WrestleMania main event. If you bring Brock Lesnar back, then aren't you missing the money with not having him face Roman Reigns? Yeah, that's valid. If he, if he's available there, and this again falls on the on management creative because they haven't created those those marquee names to be put into that spot. Uh, you you could reach. It's going to take some major, major work behind creative to get moving on this thing immediately. And you go to a program that Drew himself seems very excited about, and that would be Ginger Mahal. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, I understand, but you're looking for something that makes sense that the talents can get behind. Yeah, but if there was ever a match that screams the main event of Fastlane, it's Drew McIntyre versus Jinder Mahal. Like, I'm sorry, Jinder Mahal in the main event of WrestleMania or a main event of WrestleMania. Like, no. Well, it, no. And that's what we're looking no. at here. You know, outside of whatever Edge has got going on, and I think people, you're going to see Bel Air, whatever her program, I agree with you. It's got to be Ratchet Sasha. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean. That, that would be incredible. So outside of those two matches, whatever they're involved in, this seems, this seems like it's going to be shaping up to be a very lackluster WrestleMania. That doesn't... It, that's not to say that there can't be some exciting matches on this card, but when it comes to that that bar key, that feeling that you're supposed to have around WrestleMania, it's going to seem like this card really would just be like a solid, I'll even say a SummerSlam, but more of, you know, like a fast lane or a money in the bank. Yeah, I, and the thing that really stood out to me was it seemed like they were setting up all kinds of women's programs going forward out of that rumble. I mean, not only do you have Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks, presumably, um, but you also have the ongoing storyline with Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax. You have the ongoing storyline with Charlotte and Lacey Evans. You could easily do something with Rhea Ripley versus Alexa Bliss, which was the spot of the entire show when Alexa was just about ready to freak out and Rhea Ripley was like, uh-uh, nope, I'm not letting the supervillain Hulk up and tossed her ass out. I thought that was absolutely fantastic. You could do something there. It was like, man, are we getting ready for like an Evolution 2 or something? Because it seemed like we're just setting up women's programs left and right inside of that Rumble. thought that was really well done. The men's Rumble, I thought, was just kind of, yeah, okay. Well, I, you had your, your main points. The men's Rumble more so, and it crossed the board. You're sitting down. And being able to dissect the entire event with with the minds of Ben Hameen and Ted McNaylor, 
it, it really became obvious that the Royal Rumble was an event of close, but so many missed opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. And the little nuances to, to really elevate people to really kick things into that next gear, uh, you know, really who shined coming out of the Royal Rumble, who could maybe go into that main event scene, Bobby Lashley. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he is, he, he's on another level right now. Yeah. Lashley has been flirting with that main event for a while. And I think, you know, could people get behind him and McIntyre? I think ultimately they would be, uh, you're talking about people tur- not turning on McIntyre, but maybe, maybe not fully pulling for him, souring a little bit because you put that title, you get Lashley in a serious program where there's a thought that he could potentially walk out of there with it. I think people start just getting really excited for the potential of Brock Lesnar down the line. Especially with MVP on the mic. MVP might might have been the, the MVP of WWE in 2020. Uh, of course, last year he made his return at the Rumble. This year, the big return was Carlito. And all of a sudden, Carlito looks like Puerto Rican John Cena. Holy shit, what's in those apples? My God. Hey, he's got he's got that B12 batch. Dude looks great. Always like Carlito. Always like Carlito. One more uh, on the on the weekend update for me, Huckleberry. Uh, a friend of mine put out a new album this week. The name of the band is Sorry Pluto. You can find it now on Apple Music as well as Spotify. The name of the album is Tongue and Cheek. Uh, here's a little bit of the uh, opening song off the record. It's called Buckfutter.
coming out of Iowa with a little bit of metal mixed into it. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Very, very nice. Congratulations, Phil. I always call him Phil because I've never met anybody named John that I like, so I just decided I was going to start calling him Phil one day, and that shit has stuck for about 10 fucking years. Huckleberry, I can't take it anymore. Tell me about RBV Eats Out Cincinnati. I, I've been dying for this all week. You've been sending me all these pictures of these goddamn wings, and I tell you what, man, those, those dope wings... The, the dope Korean wings that you sent me that picture of. I, I, if I ever get to Cincinnati, I ain't eating no fucking chili, but I'm going to eat me some dope wings. Uh, I, right here, I've, I've got the uh, the wing trail pulled up in front of me for reference. And again, I'm ready to get back at it, Jargo. But yes, you're right. Last week, it was RBV Eats Out Cincinnati Wing Week. Close to a dozen stops, over 15 different styles of wings that, that I sampled throughout the week. So How's your asshole, eating. man? My God. Hey, you, you're talking to a pro here, baby. When I go <laughs> into these, when I go into these food weeks, these challenges, these throwdowns, whatever it might be, I come prepared. So each and every morning when I woke up and I knew that, that I had a gauntlet of wings to hit up, I reach for now the the unofficial official sponsor of RBV Eats Out, and yes, that is Liquid Pepto Bismol. <laughs> so I'd have about a half a bottle of that every morning. Well played, uh, before before I hit the wing trail. But you're right, uh, dope located in downtown Cincinnati. What was so unique with these is I, I'm a fan. I, I've never had a wing that I that I don't enjoy. But a little bit of a twist on those things is I like a breaded wing. I'm not talking about Hooters. I think I don't. I don't really I'm like what's in, what's in their mixture there. But I do like a lightly breaded wing. I prefer a, a lightly breaded wing over a, a greasy wing any day. Yes. And, and so what really made these dope wings stand out is you have that they're lightly breaded, but they're not thrown into the traditional deep fryer as we would know here in America. They were done inside of a, a wok. And then the flavors that were infused there, it, it's kind of like a, it's an. They're inspired by your different hotspots throughout Asia, so you're getting a combination of all these different flavors together. Uh, and then you just put a little bit of lime to really set bring everything together. They were incredible, and the presentation was spot on. Like that plate looked good. And, you know, the beautiful thing about those for a lot of the pictures when they come out, I have to do a little bit of finagling, doctor them up and and positioning. Those were good to go. You're absolutely right. You know, those they were it was picture perfect right over the counter. Uh, some of the others that stood out for me, I, I really loved this Joella's. Those listening to us out there, you might have these in your neck of the woods. Uh, I know they're not coast to coast, but they are they are spreading here a little bit. Uh, they're based around their their whole theme is bigger is better, and they love that that Nashville hot. They got six different flavors to choose from. They're the wing the wingettes, so they're super sized. So believe me, you're you're getting what you pay for there, and they have tremendous sides. They, they got all the traditional sides from the greens, the the mac and cheese, the mash and gravy. Uh, they had these fries with the seasoning out of this world. Really enjoyed Joella's. And I think maybe, let's see here, my, my favorite ones. Well, well, wait, before before you continue, I, I got to ask, 
because there's a very, very big difference when it comes to wings, when it comes to barbecue, when you go to the different parts of the country. What is the thing in Cincinnati? Like, are you going for that Southern hot style or is it more like a, a Kansas City where it's more like a, a, a sweet kind of? You know what well, I'm saying? One of the most you know, one of the beautiful things about Cincinnati and a, and a reason that that I regularly put it over so much is because we truly are a, a bit of that melting pot of American flavors. And it goes back to even why the city was founded. You know, before because there was a bunch of motherfuckers walking around in Ohio and they were like, we're going to put a city here. No, not walking. They were using the rivers. And where to where when you're here in the east, where's your big intersection for your rivers? It's right here, it, which I guess is the base or uh, the transition point for the Ohio as you begin to head out west as you go south. So for all these merchants, you had all these different individuals coming through Cincinnati. And, and they brought those different flavors with them. And a lot of them have stuck over time. Makes sense. So, you know, outside of, you know, the Cincinnati chili that we're that we're truly famous for, you've got all these other great styles. So there's a little bit of everything and you just don't go in one certain direction. And flavor is the, uh, the essence of life, my friend. So, okay. So, so, so what it, was so number one? What was the favorite? So when, it, so when it comes to wings for say, you know, me, I, I like them deep fried, double deep fried, bread it. I, especially, I love them grilled. I love them baked. I love in the sauces. I love going for the ultimate heat. I, like, I feel like we're know, turning into a Dr. Seuss flavors. <laughs> so I'm going to give my favorite wing. This this goes to game on. It's a little perfect little sports bar. It's one of those rule one of a sports bar, Jargo. Do you know what it is? How many TVs can I put on the wall? Abs- absolutely. They don't. Hey, it it doesn't necessarily mean size matters, but you got but you got to hit all the sides. Yep, you got you got to have all the variety. You bet. No matter where you're at, no matter where if your head's on that swivel, you're looking at a television. You go into you go in to hit the stall. You got a television. You know what that's, pisses that's me what off? Nothing irritates me more when I go into a sports bar. And they have like all the TVs tuned to one fucking channel, and then they have like two other ones kind of off in the corner that are that are actually showing the game that I want to see. Nothing pisses me off more than that. It's like you got eighty fucking TVs in here. Why? What? what why you got to put the Cubs on seventy five of them? For the love of fucking God, can I get a White Sox feed somewhere? Shit. I guess that would be a rule too. Too, you need that variety. Just don't give the remote to a homer. Uh, but yes, a game on, they had, it was called fourth and goal. Because uh, you're going all the way with this thing or you're going home. You talk about hot, but it had, but it had flavor with it. And it had, it, you could see the, the pepper. There was a little bit of, not the finely ground. So there was a couple times in there, you take a bite and you had a good chunk of pepper. Tremendous heat on the thing. But again, great flavor. I, I think that was my favorite. Very nice. Very nice. RBV eats out Cincinnati. So you got how many more do you got to go to now? Well, the week's over. Okay, so you, you, you've concluded. How many different stops did you make? Uh, right around a dozen. And all depending there. all depending on the, the size of the group I was with. What we do is, you know, we go in two, three, four of us. 
mask on. Yes, out there before everyone flips the hell out. Yeah, don't be a mask hole. It, that that was what I told you. That was the motto going in. It was socially safe, flavorful, fun. But the deal for the wing week was five dollars, six wings. It's all depending on the amount of people that had in the group. That's we, pretty we dope. Just, it's pretty dope. No pun intended. But we we throw in and get different flavors. So over, I, I probably tried over fifteen different flavors. Woof. Yeah, that'll tear your ass up. So yeah, they've Sebastian. already they've already announced for the next big food week in Cincinnati. That's going to be coming up on the backside of spring, as you remember my coverage on that last year. Burger week will be back. Oh yeah, but 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 no fear out there. We won't have to wait that long before the the next run of RBV eats out because I am on the hunt right now for some of those just little hidden gems around the Queen City here, the Cincinnati tri-state area. Those mom pops. They got some of those, I would just like, I love crazy dive bar food. So that's what, that's what we're on the hunt for. So I'm looking to hopefully find one a week to bring coverage for. When's Cincinnati beer week? As soon as we get done recording. I was going to say it's every week, every week. All right, Huckleberry, let's talk some headlines. We'll, we'll, we'll kind of go through some stuff here and then I, I can't wait to get to HTM sports, get your prediction for the Super Bowl. Um, Got to start things off with Beetlejuice. Um, and for those who don't know, that's what I refer to Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot as, because uh, man, it is creepy how much she looks like Beetlejuice. Man, you ever look at that shit? It is insane. So here's a little clip of Beetlejuice. Damn it! Now she's gonna show up on the show. Yeah. You said it three times. Yeah, yeah. Lori Lightfoot, Lori Lightfoot, Lori Lightfoot. And sure enough, she shall appear. Here's here's uh, Mayor Lightfoot talking about the uh, Chicago Teachers Unions. What's going on with the schools up in Chicago? Well, first of all, uh, thanks for uh, having me on this morning. Let me be very clear. Our schools are safe. Um, we've invested over $100 million um, in ventilation, other safety protocols, making sure that we have masks, um, safety health screening, um, temperature checks, all the things that you would expect that the CDC guidance has told us. Um, that we know uh, makes sense to mitigate any uh, issues in schools. We've looked at and followed every study across the globe, including here in Chicago, by our local experts. Our schools are safe. And you don't have to take my word for it. We've had three weeks of safely and implementing our plan until the teachers union blew it up. We had preschool and special needs teachers and their students back in our schools since the beginning of January. So proof positive that our plan actually works. Now, look, I get it. Teachers are concerned. They're scared, which is absolutely why we've been working literally night and day for the last two weeks in particular, 70 plus meetings since June to get a deal done. I think we can still get a deal done. We are working diligently to make that happen. A strike would be catastrophic, mostly for our kids. But we're pushing as hard as we can to seal these last few remaining but tough issues. It's not about we don't want teachers to be safe. It's absolutely not about we don't respect the rights of organized labor. Chicago's a labor town. I'm a kid who grew up um, with a father who's a steel worker. But this is about balancing a lot of different issues, but mostly also about putting our kids first. If we do that, if both sides do that, we'll get a deal done in no time. Oh, Huckleberry, things are not all peachy keen in the uh, the, the second city 
right at the moment. Um, they want to get their kids back in school. They have put out a hundred million dollars, a hundred million dollars into the Chicago schools and the teachers union say, nope, that's not enough. We're not doing enough. We're, we're, we're not protected enough. They've spent a hundred million dollars in Chicago alone. Rick, this is absolutely freaking insane. They keep telling us we've got to trust the science, trust the science, trust the science. Well, the CDC and the WHO are saying the safest place for our kids right now is in school. Yeah, this certainly is, is the educational showdown in Chi-Town. And it's really everywhere. It's just Chicago's getting all the headlines. Well, yeah, this is this is the headline. They're at the top of the card. This is the focal point. But you're talking about what are they? You know, one of the, if not the, but one of the largest school public school districts in the country. Yeah, they're top five. I mean, because you get New York, L.A., Houston, Chicago. I think is the order. All right, so I mean, one of the tops here, and it, all the the investment, the planning the precautionary measures that have gone into place here. And you still have this union just refusing to go to work. This really is affecting their communities beyond just in the classroom, because now that you've got these kids that essentially are, are free on the streets, they're turning to other activities that might not be so favorable with the law. You're seeing an uprising crime. Uh, I was checking out a story just this morning about this where they've got teenagers to like middle school age involved in this crazy increase in carjackings. Insane. Just absolutely insane. The, The thing that is getting me is the political game that is going on between the teachers union and the politicians. And typically what you see happen is the teachers union and the Democrats on the left are typically pretty well in lockstep. But now all of a sudden we're seeing kind of this rift going between the teachers union. Like even Lori Lightfoot is like, get your shit together. I mean, that's, that's really what's going on here. And it's a a matter of who's going to move first, but Rick, the amount of money that is being thrown at these schools right now. You heard Lori Lightfoot mention $100 million just in Chicago. Well, it, the stimulus package back in March were $30 billion for the American school system. The stimulus in December, $82 billion. $4 billion of that was given out to the governors to hand out at their discretion. Now we've got Joe Biden, who's going to push through this $1.9 trillion stimulus, even if the Democrats have to do it without any kind of Republican support, which is really what we're going to, that's what probably what's going to happen through reconciliation. But $170 billion more for the schools and another $5 billion given to the governors at their discretion. So, I mean, in total, we are talking about $282 billion given to the American school system. Where's all the fucking money? Where's all the fucking money going? 
This is absolutely insane. You could redo the air ventilation at every school in Chicago. You could put up plastic dividers between every desk in Chicago, and you could buy masks for every student in Chicago, and that total comes up to about $24 million. $24 million, and they've spent $100 million. Where's all the fucking money? Another sick example of crooked politics. Uh, and of course, who is going to be at the forefront of this? It, it's going to be a, right around Chicago. No, just the corruption the politics in, in the entire United States there in the, the cesspool of the Midwest. And what's really lost being in, in this is what we've regularly preached. The... The drum I have been beating since since we've returned to the air, and it is a call for complete reform in our education system, and, and that's burning it down to the core, getting back to basics. But again, what we continue to see is where you know where it was about free education, where it was about forgiveness. Now they're manipulating it into these situations around this pandemic, where. You're you're losing track of the money trail, the paper trail of where this actual spending's going. You don't actually have these these teachers, these these union officials that are supposedly committed to growing our youth, to making sure that they can obtain the tools that they need to survive in life, to be able to provide for themselves and contribute to society. They completely turn their back on them. But what really is you're throwing out all those incredible numbers there, Jargo. What really gets me is we got. About 10,000 teachers that are causing this holdup, but who's really being damaged, who's feeling the effects of this is the over 62,000 students that are sitting at hold waiting for their opportunity to grow forward. It's absolutely insane. And, and it brings up another much larger point that we have been discussing on the show pretty well since the relaunch as well. Everybody screams about term limits all the time. And while term limits are great, we need campaign finance reform. Uh, you dig in a little bit further into what's going on with the Chicago's school system and the teachers union inside of Illinois. Rick, they donated $4 million to Democratic uh, campaigns over the course of this last election cycle. Now, that's not to say that they don't buy off Republicans, too, because they absolutely do. They donated $50,000 to Republicans, which is still $50,000 too goddamn much. But there's absolutely no reason that these teachers unions can be contributing to political campaigns. Like When I talk about campaign finance reform, this is what I'm talking about. you got to eliminate these special interest groups so you don't have an occasion like we have right now where the teachers union is like, no, we're not going to do it. And if you make us do it, fuck you. We're not going to give you your fucking money. And then you have the politicians say, oh, okay, well, we don't want to fight the teachers union on that. And that's what's been going on for literally years. And now it's just coming to a fucking head. That's what it is, because even the politicians at this point are like, um, guys, I can't cover for your ass anymore. That's really what's going on. That's the story as I see it. Absolutely, Jargo. And, and again, it's about following that paper trail. And you hit it, the special interest. The special interest that is driving 
that has their hands on the wheel inside of this country is disgusting. Uh, so at this point, you do need, I don't know who that is. I mean, how deep does this run? You know, where, how, where is the corruption end? How far has the cancer spread to be able to step in, take all these people to task, call every son of a bitch out and right this ship? The problem is the people that have to do that are the people that benefit from it. It's the same reason that we don't have term limits in this country, because who has to pass the term limits? The people that are going to be serving those terms. And nobody wants to basically limit themselves on how much exposure can I get? How much power can I get? The politicians are the ones that have to pass these things, and they're the ones that benefit from it, so they don't. It's really that simple. And then what you see is, you know, as if, and this is coming, you know, the shit's about to hit the fan. This is coming into the light here. What they're going to do, they're going to go back to that magician's trick. They're going to try these distraction tactics. Oh, look what's going on over here to the, you know, to the right. Well, they're trying to cover this up on the left. So even when we, even if someone would sort of approach this to, to try to tackle this hurdle, you're going to have this thing. They're going to pile on so much other bullshit. We're going to end up with any kind of measures for reform it is going to be at a bottom of a stack of one of those, uh, you know, legislation items that they bring in. It's going to be that 600 to 1200 pages with all this other BS on it. That And then something else is going to come to light that infuriates everyone. And again, they're going to get a pass here. Well, and luckily they have the guise of yet another impeachment trial that's going to go absolutely nowhere and that the media is going to be absolutely consumed by that. It, 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 uh, how, who knows? How many versions of super COVID are we facing now? Right. Yeah. Yeah. We've got, we've got all the mutations going on. Of course, we've got the, the vaccine rollout that we can still blame on Trump. So we can still talk about that, you know, and and then, of course, there's the $1,400 payment, or is it going to be a $1,000 payment? And now we're going to argue about that. And, of course, that's the lead story. Never mind the fact that, you know, there's like another $1.7 trillion attached to it. Let's just talk about this, which is really the, the tiddlywinks of the whole fucking bill. And, again, it, it, it's not being able to see the forest through the trees looking at what's directly in front of you living in your own, you know, sheltered bubble without looking at a big picture. Yep. You have to burst that bubble. And and I, again, we are sympathetic to the needs of those out there struggling. Those people that desperately are looking forward to that 1400 to help put food on the table, to make sure that the electricity stays on. But this is just a Band-Aid on that broken leg. If you really want to fix those issues going forward, maybe we do sacrifice. We aren't so focused here on this set of, of stimulus money or the small portion, the, the minuscule percentage that's actually going to the people. You sacrifice now for a greater good that could eventually be the unraveling that gets us back on the right course. It, Especially when you're giving the schools a quarter of a trillion dollars, $282 billion. Uh, one of the headlines that jumped out to me that's Ugh. early this morning, absolutely disgusting. And again, it just it reiterates how out of touch these so-called leaders, those that are guiding us, how out of touch they truly are. 
And it just goes back to they're, they're still harping on this thing as they continue to try and push forward with the impeachment hearings or, you know, the the, the erection. I was going to say the execution, <laughs> the beheading of Donald Trump, whatever the hell you want to go with it. But AOC, AOC uh, to, to almost tears <sighs> as she reaccounts what, what happened that day that she she thought she was going to die. She heard them yelling for her. The, the, it, the hunt was on. They were coming to kill her. It, it possibly worse. Poor AOC. And this is an individual who is supposed to be there representing and, and fighting to correct the plight of those that, that are struggling on the streets, that are trying to shatter the, the proverbial glass ceiling. This is how to touch an individual that's supposed to be there for them. This is how she views this. Again, what happened there that day? Terrible news all around. That's great. But to sit there and act like this is like one of the darkest days in American history. Absolute bullshit. You go out to anyone. Go out to a single mother struggling to get by. You go out to an individual that lives in poverty in high crime rate neighborhoods. And someone is sitting at home because they've been laid off. Someone has lost their business, a, a tremendous American entrepreneur trying to make their own way, carve their own path to greatness that lost it all because of these regulations and scare tactics and societal shaming. No, those are the people that are suffering. Those are the people you should be focused on and not trying to overinflate one simple little happening. This shit, I thought I was going to die. Get get out of here with that, you stupid bitch. I mean, it's the one that kills me right now, and I know he won't hear this because he's deaf, is my friend Joe Perry, right? My friend Joe Perry was laid off from work back in March, right? And then over the course of this summer, we come to find out that Joe has a brain tumor. So... Even though Joe is furloughed, they won't allow him to come back to work until he has the treatment for the brain tumor, which he can't have because of COVID, because, you know, the hospitals are so overwhelmed and we can't get Joe in for, for any kind of fucking brain treatment. And in the meantime, he's furloughed and basically just sitting around and betting on NBA basketball because he has nothing else to do with his life right now. But I, I love Joe Perry. He he is one of the greatest guys on the face of the planet, and he sounds like Eric Cartman when he talks because he's deaf. He likes fucking with people. He plays jingle bells with his fucking hearing aids because they're so loud that when he smiles, they feed back off of each other. So he likes fucking with people. Oh, it's great. Love Joe Perry. But he can't listen to podcasts, so I can sit here and talk shit about him. Well, it's you know, and, and that's what these people they should they should be looking out for the best interests of the Joe Perrys, right? But no. But no, they're playing tit for tat, grab ass, moving all all this money around, our money, moving everything around here. It's all borrowed money at this point. I mean, fuck. That deficit, man. If you go look at the fucking deficit counter, it's just fucking, dear God. And as as we sit here recording, I kind of glance up at the television screen President Biden walking around with China representatives. It, it's, you know what it really reminds me of 
it's like that landlord showing you a new apartment. Oh yeah, this, this would be great. You could put right. your, your bureau over there, put a nice flat screen up there on that wall. Uh, he's just pimping it out. Whole other issue there of, of what they, what China is doing to this country, just buying it out from under our feet while we're sitting here focused in and irritated and pissed about the most minuscule of items. Speaking of China, my favorite thing I learned this week is that Winnie the Pooh is banned in China. He's been an yep. outlaw in China since 2017. Be- because of the similarities between Winnie and the leader, right? Well, I, I guess there was a, a meme that went around in China where there was a picture of Winnie the Pooh walking with Tigger. And it was compared to a picture of Xi Jinping walking with Barack Obama. They had it like side yeah. by side. And so the, their response was to ban Winnie the Pooh. It's my favorite story of the week. Yes. Uh, Winnie the Pooh in, in Shelton Cooper or Sheldon Cooper. Speaking of one of my favorite stories of the week, we got to talk about the Nobel Prize. Because, Rick, you had sent me this article about uh, the Black Lives Matter movement being nominated for the Nobel Prize. And I thought this conversation was going to go one way. But then I started researching a bit more on the Nobel Prize, right? And number one, like 3,000 people get nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize. In fact, I'm pretty sure that now, given that I have a PhD, I think I can nominate people for the Nobel Prize. I think I actually have that authority. So you can... Bet your ass next year, add it to the resume, Bin Hameen, Nobel Peace Prize nominee. I was just going to ask you if you had to give about maybe a handful of nominations across the board at the Hameen Media Group. So Bin's number one for you. You bet. You bet. Absolutely. Got to go with the Ayatollah. What are some of the the other categories there? I'm thinking about, you know, for that great humanitarian. Building bridges, the the inspirational of Stevie Richards. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe, Strang- maybe Strangler Steve. Uh, is there a Nobel P- or Nobel Prize for uh, those big old titties? You get Strangler Steve in there. Big old titties absolutely deserve the Nobel Prize. Yeah, shout out to the Strangler. Uh, but so I was looking at who is actually nominated for the Nobel Prize this year, and some of the popular nominees include Russian opposition leader Alexei Nalvani, who is currently in a Russian prison. So I don't think that he will be accepting the award. Um, but the the riots going on in Russia—have you heard about that? They're having like protests in the streets over this. Hell, it's it sure seems like the story is that Vladimir Putin and the Kremlin tried to poison this motherfucker, and then he flew to Germany, and then they arrested him for flying to Germany to get treatment. It, it's absolutely insane. And now they're arresting people in the streets for being at part of an unauthorized protest. And that, ladies and gentlemen, would be a true violation of of freedom of speech, not necessarily what is happening with Parler. So I did want to get that in there. Um, but so Alexei Nelvaney, he, he's nominated. Greta Thunberg, everybody's favorite, you know, teenage uh, eco-friendly whack job. Uh, Stacey Abrams, she's nominated. Black Lives Matter, as we mentioned, as well as the WHO. And Rick, at first, 
everybody loved this. Everybody's putting over the Nobel Prize. I'm like doing research on this and everybody's talking about how absolutely wonderful it is that, you know, we're, we're standing up to, to the oppression from the Kremlin, Black Lives Matter and spreading their social message. Greta Thunberg, she absolutely deserves it. Um, and then something very, very peculiar happened. Alan Dershowitz, who, who some Fox News viewers may be uh, well familiar with, nominated Jared Kushner for the Nobel Prize, somebody who actually brought peace to part of the world when you're, you're looking at what is going on inside of the Middle East. And suddenly we have to discredit the Nobel Prize and it's a holy crock of shit and anybody can be nominated for the Nobel Prize. It doesn't really take a whole lot to be actually, you know, have the requirements to nominate somebody for the Nobel. Like the entire tone of the media changed like that when Jared Kushner was nominated for the Nobel Prize by Alan Dershowitz. We don't know who, who nominated any of these other people. We got, you know, doctors and physicians and you know, professors all over the world. There's like 800,000 people in the United States that are qualified to nominate people for the Nobel Peace Prize. But Dershowitz nominates Kushner and not only are we going to drag Kushner through the mud, the Nobel Prize is a fucking joke and Alan Dershowitz is a douchebag for nominating him. It's hilarious. It is quite entertaining. Yeah, any, any, not, I mean, not only did a man actually, as we're talking about, you know, the term peace, uh, he helped achieve something that was thought to maybe never been able to, to be brought together. John Kerry said it was impossible. But but yeah, yeah, it, it was achieved. Uh, but yeah, just completely laughable then that he would be even mentioned in this conversation with the other greats that you had laid out there, Jargo. But there, I kind of was thinking about this last week. And I gave it a little bit of thought. I was really trying to frame how I, how maybe how I wanted to bring it to the table when we record, but how I just throw it out there. With just a few years ago. And the overall, the majority coming together, the outrage when the Saudis beheaded that uh, reporter. Jamal Khashoggi. Yes. And you remember, it, just, it was really both sides coming together. There's still a lot of shit coming out about that. Like documentaries are well, coming out about right. it now and whatnot. There's some really, I, really I, I interesting I shit. Understand it. But I would say, though, you have seen a swing or maybe just not as much traction behind that story as you've seen more of the heel turn with the mainstream media and so many people being turned off to, you know, to, to what we're being given by our reporters, our journalists. I, I wonder if something were to happen like that today, if it would, you know, receive the same outcry and in, in kind of global support against, you know, the actions, or would there be some people, well, I, that's the media. They're they're finally getting what they what they had coming to them. Well, like did did you hear about the big drug war that's going on at the border? Yeah, it's, I mean that's constantly. Well, well, no, like things are getting very very volatile, right? Because you see what's happening is there is way too much supply. There's not nearly as much demand, and so you have all the drug dealers have all this supply and the they can't move it because everybody's in fucking lockdown, right? And now the drug cartels, they want their fucking money. 
and people are getting pissed off. People are getting shot and shit and nobody's talking about it because I'm not talking about it. Our border. I'm talking about the border between Morocco and the Netherlands. Like there is some real fucking shit going down over there with the Morocco drug cartels. Like I didn't even know this was a fucking thing until the other day, but like people are living in horror over in the Netherlands as soon as it gets dark because the Moroccan drug cartels are coming looking for the drug dealers who are coming looking for the junkies because everybody wants their fucking money. Hey, where's my consumer base, baby? That's fucking crazy, man. The Netherlands, who fucking knew, right? But nobody talks about it because it's, it's, it's over there. Yeah, I really don't care about over there. Yeah, that, there is that. Um, we'll, we'll go ahead. We'll, we'll skip our crazy billionaire segment um, because we are running a bit long. Next week, we'll, we'll talk about Bill Gates wanting to induce an ice age and Elon Musk with video gaming monkeys. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that story. All right, we'll, we'll squeeze it in. I, w- I was going to take controls. I was going to save it for the end of the show. Next week, Valentine's week, but we got some special stuff lined up, but. But hey, you know, what's love without money, right? And what's money without millionaires? Well, hell, billionaires, so. You know, and, and it's funny that you bring that up because what I do want to talk about is GameStop. Because obviously GameStop has been one of the biggest stories of the week and nobody really understands what in the fuck is going on. So I reached out to a friend of mine, Mr. Matt Logan. He is a CFA. And uh, I got this basically like two-minute clip of here's what's going on with GameStop. Hedge fund managers were, were doing what's called a short sale. And uh, most of us are used to using mutual funds or stocks where you'd buy it and you, you hope the value goes up o- over time and, uh, and you, uh, you, have a, you gain value in it. Uh, a short sale is when you, uh, when you expect the price of the stock to go down. And so what you do is uh, you borrow it and resell it. So here's a great example. Here's a great example. Um, let's say Bob borrows John's bike. John's bike is worth a thousand dollars. Then Bob turns around and, and sells John's bike for a thousand dollars and buys the same bike a week later on sale for eight hundred dollars. So he's turned around and, and he's made two hundred dollars because he's returns the the new bike. He's pocketed two hundred dollars. Now a short squeeze is something a little different. That's where, let's say, Bob borrows John's bike, turns around, sells John's bike for a thousand dollars, planning on buying it for eight hundred and returning it. But all of a sudden, that bike becomes the popular bike, and the value keeps rising and rising. And uh, let's say John's forced to to uh, and John wants his bike back. So Bob buys the bike at $2,000, effectively coming out of pocket or losing $1,000 on it. So uh, as you can see, the, the shorting a, a, a stock can, uh, can help, can be great if you win, but it can also have a lot of losses. And so uh, you, there's a lot of risk there. And um, so sometimes, uh, Mark can can stop not because of risk, but because they think that there's some something going on that is not exactly making it a perfect market. You know, buy and sell is supposed to meet in the middle, um, and that's a basic economic policy. 
well, if you see things going very out of whack, uh, markets reserve the right to, to stop holding or stop trading for a, a period of time until they feel like things have, have settled back to normal. So, uh, it's uh yeah there's a lot of interesting stuff going on in in the markets and it's uh it's fascinating so that's the short that's the short squeeze that's one of the best explanations that i i could possibly find for that so shout out to matt um rick here's the thing right and there's the big story going on with gamestop now we're hearing about it with some other companies like amc we're hearing about it with the silver market um, and what happened with Robinhood is quickly becoming such a big story. Elon Musk sat down with the CEO of Robinhood, and he basically explained it. What really happened is these giant Wall Street holding companies demanded that Robinhood back up all these trades for a bill of about $3 billion. They ended up negotiating that down to $1.5 billion, which is how they ended up getting the trading restarted. Most people don't mess with shorts. They don't mess with squeezes, and there's reasons for that. Uh, the GameStop deal, what they did, they inflated the price to about $340 a share from about $30. So a lot of these big holding companies literally lost billions of dollars because they were tanking. They were counting on GameStop tanking. That's really what they were going for. But the, the thing I find interesting about this is the whole Reddit thing. Because I came across this article, Rick, from 2019, February 10th, 2019 in Time Magazine that goes on about how the CCP has actually bought part of Reddit. And the thing that's interesting about that is Reddit is banned in China. We're talking $150 million buy-in into Reddit to have access to this stuff. Now, I call it the conspiracy theorist in me. But if you can help tank the U.S. economy and start causing all these shorts to go completely awry, start costing all these Wall Street holding companies, you know, billions of dollars at the same time as Joe Biden is passing his one point nine trillion dollar stimulus package. That seems like a hell of a strategy to me. Well, you know, they, they didn't buy it because it was a societal asset to them, bought it because it was an inc- incredible weapon. Yeah, I mean, clearly. It, 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 this is just, you know, the, the tip of the iceberg uh, of what we're seeing here in these disguised attacks that are unfolding right now that have been for quite some time inside this country being perpetrated by China. It's scary, man. It's really, really scary. And, and, you know, and you really want to begin to tie all these together. As soon as this thing broke you know, over, the, over the weekend, what I want to you know, read back, you go back to the Obama administration when essentially we forfeited any kind of authority and monitoring that we had over the Internet. Yeah. Now, essentially, we gave away our ownership. It's such a messy, messy, messy story. And it's so weird because, you know, everything traces back to China. Constantly. Everything traces back to China. And, of course, they're playing the long game. I mean, we're talking about an article I came across in Time Magazine, February 2019. Here we are two years later. That's exactly how I would do it. You basically, you just start a Reddit thread suggesting this crazy fucking idea 
the nerds in their mom's basement, they catch on to it. There's some other people that caught on to it too, because some of these trades that were coming in, they weren't kids in their mom's basement. We're talking in excess of like $50,000 bought at $30 a share. And then it balloons to $340 a share and people jump out of the market. This wasn't just kids in their mom's basements playing around on Robin Hood. That's the story that they want to push onto it. But there's a whole lot bigger deal going on here. And especially when you get into the Wall Street and them losing their ass, there was one company I saw lost $6 billion on GameStop. $6 billion. Perfect example of abracadabra warfare. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, let's go ahead and we'll throw it over to the break from our friends over at the Hameen Media Group, and then we're coming back to talk uh, Stafford to the Rams and some Super Bowl stuff. We'll be right back. Hey, guys. It's the Andrew Bello from the Hameen Media Group podcast of the year, the Wednesday Locker Room, and the former host and founder of the Next Level Wrestling Podcast. It's 2021, and it's time to kick out and leave the past behind us. Hameen Media Group starts the year off with over 2.25 million downloads, and our fan base is continuing to grow every day. Thank you for subscribing and sharing all of our channels, podcasts, and videos, and for standing strong with HMG in the face of ongoing censorship. We will always adapt and overcome any obstacles put in our way. We will overcome and certainly achieve even more success in the ever-changing digital landscape. Please make sure you're subscribed to Hacker Hameen and Hameen Media Group on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. Thank you to all of the Patreon.com slash Media Group subscribers, home of the Rip Rogers FR podcast, named by Patreons to be their favorite show on the entire Hameen Media Group network. More content, including marketing and podcasting seminars, watch-alongs from Hameen's career in 2CW, OVW, DCW, and more. When you subscribe to Patreon.com slash Media Group, you are the fuel that drives HMG's free shows for the entire community. We salute you and thank you for your continued support in 2021. We continue our year supported by our daily listeners and our local sponsors including ProWrestlingTees.com. Get the shirts of all your favorite Hameen Media Group wrestling personalities and support them directly. Greek God Papadon, Stevie Richards, Chris Silvio, SEG Shirts for Big Sal, and of course, Ben Hameen, Yala. Also, check out ZordosOliveOil.com. Make a healthy choice for 2021 when you cook with Zordos Ultra Premium Artisanal Olive Oil imported directly from Greece. Visit ZordosOliveOil.com today and taste the difference of an ultra-premium product for yourself. And wake up, bro. It's time to get the official Vince Russo Bro Coffee. Kick the day off right, bro, with a cup of Broster's Coffee. The exclusive limited edition Vince Russo Bro Coffee is a medium-roasted Nicaraguan blend with chocolatey notes and a smooth finish that will have you up and ready to go, bro. Order yours exclusively at thebrosters.com. And it's 2021, and the Hameen Media Group staff are all committed to Stevie Richards Fitness this year and getting ourselves into the best shape we've ever been in. You've seen Big Ray's amazing transformation, and there are plenty of SRF members interacting right now, motivating each other for the new year. So don't worry about gyms and lockdowns. Let's get in shape together 
using our community for support, and Stevie Richards Fitness to achieve our goals for 2021. Join us and visit StevieRichardsFitness.com for the most affordable and effective home workout program that will give you results, real results. 12 and 16 week resistant band programs are available for instant download now at StevieRichards.com and RussoBrand.com, where the pros are pros, bro. Hear the most valid opinions in wrestling from the pros who live it. No other podcasting platform and online wrestling punditry has the lineup of wrestling stars like RussoBrand.com. Stevie Richards, Disco Inferno, Shane Douglas, Just Incredible, Big Vito, Stevie Ray, Taylor Hendricks, Bin Hameen, and now there's even more shows on the way with a partnership with the two-man power trip. Why would you go anywhere else but RussoBrand.com? We thank you for listening and being an incredible community of wrestling-addicted, conspiracy-minded, straight-brim hat-wearing infidels. By the way, Bin Hameen wrote this copy, and I'm currently in a basement being held at gunpoint. He's already shot Adler's twice, and I hope this is the correct style of intro he was looking for. So enjoy the show, HMG listeners. Please, for the love of Stevie, enjoy the show. All right, so we're back from the break. Shout out to our boy Bello, still out there rocking it flat bill style. I think I think me and Bello are the only two people I know that don't live in Peoria, Illinois, that still rock flat bills. Everybody in Peoria still does. The resident god of thunder himself, the sexiest man on the Hameen Media platform. Oh man, the Andrew Bello. You say that, and now Big Ray is going to get all jealous, and he's going to have like congressional hearings and shit over who's sexier, Bello or Big Ray. He's going to get fucking Powell involved, Sidney Powell involved, and it's going to be a mess. Speaking of messes, let's talk some HTM sports. Let's talk Matt Stafford to the Rams. Rick, I saw this thing come across and I just thought, holy shit. The Rams... They didn't just bend over. They straight took it from the Detroit Lions. Not only do the Lions get Jared Goff in return, which seems like a pretty linear deal to me. I I keep arguing with people about that, but we'll we'll get into that. But also, two first-round picks and a third-round pick. This this just seems like highway robbery on Detroit. Detroit will find a way to fuck this up because it's the Detroit Lions, but... Holy shit, two first-round picks, a third-round pick, a starting NFL quarterback for Matthew Stafford, who's 32 years old. He's been in the league for 12 years. He's never won a playoff game. He's literally had his back broken, and you're paying him another $6 million than you were paying Jared Goff. I, I, I just I don't understand this deal, and it's mostly the picks. That's what really sets me over the edge on it. I mean, Stafford for golf, that seems pretty straight up to me. And I think that's what people are getting too hung up on. They're looking at that this move on the surface with the players that are present, those that you can actually you know reach out and touch. They could see that. That's what people are getting hung up. As you lay it out there, Jargo, it's all the underlining you know, layers that are put on put into this move that are completely mind boggling. And you really got to look at this, you know, if we were talking about the Rams and the end of their season, there, just getting into the playoffs, you know, removed from the Super Bowl just a few years ago and how, you know, how short of a window you have for success. You got to believe right now, the Rams are pretty much conceded that theirs is closed. 
Right. And to it's really to unload those picks, you got to believe they're just looking they're looking to somewhere to save some money for all that dough they've been dishing out over these last couple of years. The the thing I don't understand and I, I, I understand Ram fans are, are really, really happy about this. Number one, I didn't think Jared Goff looked very bad in the NFC Championship game. I thought he looked pretty damn good to me, especially playing with a bum thumb that he just had surgically repaired. He, he was whipping that ball around at Lambeau. Um, I, divisional I, game. Or yeah, yeah, you're right. It was the divisional game. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about Green Bay here in a second, too. But are, are the Rams any better with Matt Stafford? I mean, you, you still have Seattle. You still have San Francisco once they get healthy. I, I, I feel like the Rams are still the third best team in the NFC West, maybe second, just kind of depending on who beats who. Yeah, I think I think they're in. They're kind of etched into that third. I mean, you can always catch a few breaks here. Someone else gets an injury. But if you're going straight shooters here, I, don't really, I, I think that, you know, Arizona's move way ahead of them and again this is still the division runs through seattle year in year out and san francisco was just hurt all year like yeah. they, they had tons of guys out all year well i i think you're a lot quicker you're you're a lot closer to moving to the bottom of this division than you are even moving into that two slot even with this move of your rams it, it seems just like a, a lateral move at, for the quarterback positions between these two but then to unload anything that you might potentially have for those upper echelon talents going forward, simply because you're trying to avoid those high-end rookie deals because you've been shoveling out so much money in the past. I mean, they're still paying on – they're still eating cash for some incredible burst. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The Todd Gurley deal killed them. Yeah, they are a perfect example of you do not pay a running back because this is what happens to your football team. And this is what really came back to bite them in the rear end. And you're seeing them, they're, they're trying to dash as, dash for cash as hard as they can right now. And they're going to go back into a serious rebuilding mode. You do have to look. And now they don't have any picks. <laughs> like. Well, I, I know, but in that rebuilding, I mean, you're going to be, you're going to be looking around. You're going to hope that you can find those gems in the rough in like an ability check system, or, you know, you go late into the draft and you can find those that are overlooked that are maybe coming from those smaller schools because you've lost that, that upper echelon of those picks. And I, that's obviously by design. So you can avoid, I mean, I, ideally in this, in this today's league, you're trying to maximize those those rookies contracts. Absolutely. You know you're you know you're in a bad spot of you're unloading to even get rid of those. Yeah, I, I just I I don't see this as good for the Rams. I understand Ram fans are are, are super happy about this, but it's like I, I, I don't see it. I you, you just got a guy, he's he's been in the league for 12 years. He's 22 games under 500. He's only been to the playoffs three times. And he's never won a playoff game. Like I understand that Matt Stafford has been an underachiever because he has played for the Detroit Lions, but Matt Stafford didn't elevate the Detroit Lions either. Like let's not pretend like he's this generational talent that you know the league. Oh, it's just too bad that he played in Detroit. I'm sorry, I don't I don't view Matt Stafford that way. I, I wonder you you look at the comparisons there. I wonder if they'd feel the same way if they would have had like a an Andy Dalton come to town. Because I think those two are very comparable from the franchises they came from, the Agreed. situations they're in, the achievements in college coming out. Obviously, uh, you know, a number one pick, Dalton, down the line there, but incredible stats there that he had at TCU. 
you got to believe him coming over, though. He's going to have a, a lot of just that Detroit mentality built into him. I, he's going to—it's going to have an incredible fire. He's going to want to prove people wrong, but that just kind of wears into your your fabric after a while. You're talking about in the division right now, Jargo. I think there's another conversation to be had if you lose out in your own marketplace. Are you going to yeah. lose your standing as the top football team in L.A., which even now, that's not even a major an accomplishment yourself being the top football team because you, I mean, just in sports, you're already towards the bottom. Yeah, nobody can cares. The char- can the Chargers leapfrog them with all the excitement that they have going on? Yeah, and that's absolutely possible. I, but when you think of the L.A. sports teams, Lakers, Dodgers, now there's you know that contingent of Clippers fans. Yeah, then maybe you get to one of the football teams. I would even hell, you might even have we have Angels fans and Kings fans. I mean, the, the the hockey team, and that's just inside the sports bubble on top of everything else you have going on. Yeah, out there. I mean, L.A. is just it, it's a rough market. Absolutely, uh, another rough market is Green Bay, Wisconsin. There is a report out there that the Rams tried to make a play for Aaron Rodgers. And the Packers shut that down. Um, Aaron Rodgers ain't going nowhere. I mean, come on. There's no way, no way they are going to trade Aaron Rodgers. I don't believe that. Zero percent chance. I don't think there's a zero percent. I think it is very minuscule percent chance that you would see him anywhere. Maybe if the Jaguars called and they offer the number one pick and along with like, you know, three more number one picks and, you know, maybe a couple of third round picks. There might be a few things out there that would be enticing a few other situations. But, But I think what's important is that the Packers keep that line of communication open. Yeah. entertain those ideas keep you know let teams call you you don't ever know what other deals might kind of bloom from just a, a simple throwing you know a dart into the darkness uh trying to get rogers and maybe something else emerges from it i can't imagine what the price for aaron Rodgers would be if for matt stafford you got two number one picks and a third pick and a starting nfl quarterback like what's well, the price it, for it, aaron Rodgers? your franchise when you go into into these free, you know these free agencies year after year, and you can see they reset the market with these run of the mill, nowhere near franchise quarterbacks who are getting these major paydays. The look what this is going to do to any any kind of deals moves that you're going to be seeing being made, uh, and just not just not through a trade, but just the value that has been placed on Stanford now. When you go into free agency, it's ridiculous. Just ridiculous. That, that guy was worth two number one contracts, and, you know, and so and so and so on. I need paid here, right? That this move inside of itself has just absolutely. I guess from the if if you're one of those guys that are be getting a paycheck, it's incredible. But for the owners, for the fans, it has killed this market. As far as Green Bay goes. Defensive coordinator, Mike Patine, gone. Um, evidently, Rick, there was, a, as Matt LaFleur says, just a flat-out miscommunication, and ultimately, anything, something like that occurs, that 100% falls squarely on my shoulders. Talking about the play where Tom Brady threw the bomb 
to Scotty Miller right before halftime. And, and that really was the turning point of that NFC championship game. And we all said, why in the fuck are you playing man-to-man on that play? They weren't supposed to be playing man-to-man on play, on that play. That's really what's going on here. So Mike Pettini gone, um, which I guess kind of brings us to the Super Bowl with Tom Brady versus Patrick Mahomes. Rick, this it's so weird because here we sit on Wednesday and typically we would be in like full swing media week at this point. Fucking Kansas city is not even in Tampa yet. Like this is the weirdest super bowl, like layover ever. You're absolutely right. You're going to be glued to either it be the radio satellite radio, the, the television watching press row, the ins and outs, all the interactions, all the hype that would be happening down there in Tampa right now. But, Essentially, a, go, a ghost town. It's weird. I, I am surprised that we didn't see more of, of the efforts for the virtual Super Bowl experience. That they really didn't try to go over the top, especially at a time, you know, with everything we covered the first part of the show. That's, you know, they, we didn't even break the ice on all, all of, you know, what's really weighing on people to have a little bit of that escape, a little bit of normality with the Super Bowl. You're absolutely right. Uh, but it, it does feel weird. I actually made a comment the other day. Someone that asked me, uh, what are the big plans on Sunday? And I was, what's on? I don't know. I said, I don't know. Get ready for the Monday locker room. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. it's the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. It's that. That's this weekend. Right. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It's a story I saw just this morning. Uh, you, you talk about heels over strong. Did you see Tom Brady has the number one selling jersey of all time when it comes to the the two weeks before the Super Bowl, because of course a bunch of people go out and they buy jerseys, you know, the two weeks before the Super Bowl to be ready for their Super Bowl parties. Tom Brady, number one all time, heels over strong. Well, come on, you know what? That's that's the same argument. It's that's what you use to bash Roman Reigns. That's he's only the number one merch seller because when people want to buy merch, it's the only merch available. <laughs> Well, I mean, you could well, make really, the argument. I mean, he's the he, for how long has he been the face of the league? And you're exactly right, Jargo. And it's not people. And I know, oh, bandwagoners, you know, no, they you want to get into the the spirit. Absolutely, you're going to a Super Bowl party. You, you don't want to be rocking your your Bengals gear. You're you're you know might only wear the jersey once, jersey. but you want to have the jersey. Right. You want, you want to be at least wearing something, a, a T-shirt, the logo, the team colors. Go out and pick yourself up a jersey. And, and he's been there nine times before getting ready for 10. So you better damn well bet you, you head out. Even if you're going somewhere, you're going to a Coles, a Meyer, you're looking for something a little inexpensive. They're going to, if it has, if it had Patriots, if it has tamp on it now, it's got time on the back. And when you think about it in a professional wrestling sense, it's very much like we were talking about at the beginning of the show, right? Like Tom Brady and Edge, they're the established superstar that everybody knows. And regardless of how cool Patrick Mahomes might be to those of us inside of the NFL bubble, the casual fan, he's no Tom Brady. Tom Brady's fucking over. Patrick Mahomes, he's just really good. He's he's Patrick Mahomes. So most people right now, they're still kind of warming up, especially as, as we've seen kind of the turn. Another he's AJ Styles. 
Like he uh, might he might be the best in the world, but nobody knows who the fuck he is. Everybody knows who Edge is. Everybody knows who Randy Orton and is. And he's kind of in at a time where ratings are down, interest is down, fans have kind of turned their back on it. I'd say a lot of people just might say, well, Holmes, oh, he's the uh, the least Jack guy in those State Farm commercials. <laughs> what is up with Jake, dude? He's talking about Cal- Carlito. Right? Jake from State Farm, he's been hitting that B12. You bet. You know, we kind of touched on it last week, but this has been driving me crazy. Is I'm seeing it around more and more and more. These comparisons of Holmes and Brady to Rock and Hogan. Really? I, I, I huh. don't get it. I don't get it at all. It's like, dude, you're not even in the most of the time. Like you can be like, you're not in on the same planet, right? Mahomes isn't even in the same universe as Tom Brady. The only guy that might be in the same universe is Peyton Manning. And that's just because he was Tom Brady's rival that he beat all the time. Like, Tom Brady is on his own fucking plane of existence at this point. It's his 10th fucking Super Bowl. I I wouldn't put Manning close to him. The only name I would have in the conversation, and it is a distant, distant conversation, is Joe Montana. Uh, But outside of that, yeah, you get everybody. Oh, it's the GOAT versus the now or the future GOAT. Get out of here with that BS. No. Patrick Mahomes has, has had a few great years. I'm not taking anything away from his town. He has one Super Bowl. That that is a small percentage of the greatness that has been achieved by Tom. This isn't a passing of the torch at all. And if anything, if there's a good chance they're the favorites. Mahomes goes out there and gets he repeats the, the Chiefs repeat. He gets number two. Well, in that comparison to Hogan and Rock, you know what? That brought those two closer together. That was the ultimate face turn. That, that's what brought Hogan back to the light, the red and the yellow. Him and Rock were teaming up a month later. That's what at the end, if, if Mahomes wins, Brady's going to hate his guts forever. Ain't going to be none of that. None of that. Mm-mm. How about, Brady, how about Brady coming back, coming out and saying he'd like to play till he was 45 plus? Man, the way he's playing, I mean... People want to talk about how this was a down year for Tom Brady. 4,600 yards, 40 touchdowns. I mean, get the fuck out of here, right? I I don't know. I'm with you, though. You were the first I heard mention this. If he can do this Outweigh it. History being made. The the first, only team to win it in their own stadium. Defying all these odds. You, You didn't have Belichick. You went down there and completely... Changed the culture of a franchise, took them to the Super Bowl, win a champion. What else is there? Nothing. There's nothing else. He already holds every record on the face of the planet. You know what I mean? Like, there's nothing. Nothing. On his way out, though, would you expect a gracious? No. You know, a curtain call, or do we get like the bit the greatest heel promo of all time? Yeah. I, I, I think I think you get something very, very similar to Mamba out. And poof, Tom Brady is gone. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. Drunk. Fuck you. Fuck you. You're cool. Drunk, you're cool. Fuck you. I'm out. Yep. That's what you're going to get. So let's talk about hit, the game. Hit my music. Then you just got bad boys playing as they walk out. And that's the end of Tom Brady. <laughs> 
I know you and JB are going to sit down. You're going to talk about the Super Bowl. You're going to talk about the odds. You're going to talk about all the cool prop bets. Uh, as it stands right now, Chiefs plus three is currently the odds. Um, the over-under is 57 points. They are they're expecting a real defensive struggle in the Super Bowl this year. Yeah, that's not going to be the case. Um, I don't know, man. 57 points seems kind of lofty to me. I don't know. I, the, the, I think what, what you're going to see from that skyrocket is you go back to the championship games where you had the NFC was at 51, the AFC at 54, yeah, and they saw those performances here, so they have kicked that thing in. I think that's the reason, you know, sitting at that 57. I think the three is a, is a fair mark. Yeah, I get, it's interesting because a lot of money is coming in on Tampa, but of course all the smart money is on Kansas City. So... I mean, take that for what it is. I mean, is anybody going to fault you for betting on Tom Brady in the Super Bowl? I mean, it, playing at home in the Super Bowl? I think this is going to be a case of the Super Bowl this year. Uh, as you had mentioned, bottom line, sports book. I'm going to be sitting down with JB Javit. We're going to be recording Thursday night, so we're going to have that out for everybody for Friday so you can kind of you know take a look into the handicap extraordinaire's mind, JB I think when it comes down to the straight pick on this thing, I'm going to stay the hell away from it. I'm going to be interested in all these little side fun bets that we can get going on. I might be tempted on that over-under. I'm going to have to sit through some stuff on that. If I had to go right now. I was going to say, I want your prediction, man. That's the wrap-up for the show. I need your Super Bowl prediction. I, I'm going. All right. I, I, on that over-under, is that is intriguing to me. I think I'm going to go over. Ooh, okay. Well, that's I interesting because I'm going to take the under. I'm going to go over that 57 as we're sitting on it. Uh, also, another lock for me. Heads never fails or tails never fails. That's why I always go heads. Interesting. Interesting. Um, I'm going 50 on heads this year. So what? what's your score? Who's your winner? I'm going to plead the fifth. Oh, come on, Huckleberry. You got to give us a prediction of some kind. I'm going to give you a score. Well, this is this is one of those. I, I'm going with, I'd probably, if I had to throw the money on it, I'm taking Kansas City in the three. Uh, like I'm right around. I think it's going to be a much closer game, but I could see him winning by 10. But I will be rooting for, for number 12 in, in Tampa Bay. I'm going with Tampa Bay over... 21-17. I think it's going to be a 38-point game, so I'm going to take the under. Um, I, I There's something about the way that Tampa defense is playing. Uh, if that front seven can hold their own against Mahomes, I like Tampa Bay. If they can just contain Patrick Mahomes, I like Tampa Bay. And if they can just if they can rush five and get pressure, I really like Tampa. Go back to that over under the reason I, I and you're going way under on that thing. I think the the reps are going to be huge, both sides in favor of the offense. I think the league wants this thing. Oh, oh, so it's going to be the same crew that was doing the Green Bay and Tampa Bay game, and they're just going to let them play until like you know there's three minutes left in the game, and then they're going to call a ridiculous pass interference. Yeah, I think that's what you're going to get. I think the league right now. Remember going back a couple of years ago. We had that tremendous defensive battle Patriots were involved in. Yep. And everybody just absolutely lost their minds 
this is the worst game ever. How this football just took a step. No, they actually went back to some fundamentals. They're playing hard nosed defense where the game should be won. I don't think the league wants to get into something like that. I, I think they want to, they really want to showcase that, that high flying, you know, dot, dot dive style. So they're going to, they're going to open it up. They're, it's going to be a rough day for the secondaries. Uh, one thing that I have picked up on, on the little bit of media. All right. And this is why I'm going to take Tampa. Okay. The, the Kansas City secondary and the Kansas City defense keeps talking about how, you know, Tom likes to come back in the second half. No matter what the score is, I, they, they know 28 to 3, Atlanta had that thing handily, and Tom brings the Patriots back. If Tampa Bay jumps out on Kansas City early, I think KC is planning on playing with a lead in that second half and not letting up on the gas. I think if Tampa can come out and get on top of Kansas City early, it could be a really long night for Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, not really a team that's, that's built for coming from behind. They like to get out of the gate fast and just go full throttle on you. But especially if they're if they're in that mindset, we can't let Tom come back on us. If they're in that mindset and they're behind at halftime, it's going to really fuck with them. And that's where I think Brady has the advantage. I, they're, the Kansas City defense is already talking about it. They're playing Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. He's already in their head. The week, fuck, it's just getting started at media week. That's what happened to Green Bay, too. Played back on their heels that whole first half. So that's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Thanks for listening. If you haven't already, please hit that subscribe button and then visit the platform you may not be listening to, whether it be the HTM Podcast Network online, hittingthemarks.com, Hameen Media online, hameenmediagroup.podbean.com, and the flagship, Hacker Hameen. .podbean.com. You can keep up with me across all social media platforms at NotJargo. Keep up with my other show, Destino, a New Japan Pro Wrestling podcast. New episode coming soon as we get off of this damn new beginning tour that's long and dragging, but at least Switchblade's back, so I can talk about that. Uh, keep up with us there at DestinoPod, DestinoPod.com. Huckleberry, what do you want to plug coming up this week? I didn't take, uh, just, it didn't take uh, Switchblade long for him to get back, did it? Yeah, it was like they just waited it out until after the rumble and then Switchblade shows back up. Like, they just wanted yeah. all that press. Is, is he Is he, Is he? he really going? I don't know. It seems like they would have waited a little longer to let, let it play out. But, uh, but I'm sure for you, it, it is good to have him back there. And, and for all the, the Eastern wrestling fans, it's good to have Switch, Switchblade back. And we're building the Kenza versus Moxley, and everybody's really excited about that. So I don't know why either, but they are. For, for what, we've, what we've got going on, again, for all of the core content that's your, your wrestling reviews, your wrestling news and head lines the the marquees for conspiracy you can pick up all that over at hackerhameen.podbean.com and of course you want to be uh, subscribed and tuned in to all the great affiliate programs jargo myself suck my balls star trek star wars right opinion war on morons uh, the list goes on and on that's the the affiliate with the hmg at hameenmediagroup.podbean.com you know, check out all of our tremendous partners with their Patreon. We got Big Stevie Ray. He's got some tremendous interviews on the way. Big Vito Brand just launched. We got just around the corner. You got Damian Sandown, April Hunter. They're going to be launching theirs. And, of course, the project that I'm involved with, it's going to be going official. The, the rebranding, the relaunch, Wednesday. 
Nebraska, Wednesday, February 3rd, 2021, 8 p.m., just as you're getting ready to tune into NXT and Dynamite, the two-man power trip Patreon, getting retooled, rebranded. It's going to be live there. So hopefully as you're listening, you can go check that out. We've got some tremendous content. Uh, one, of, one of the best, most revered pro wrestling podcasts in, in all the game, bringing you insight from legends. You got you got Kevin Sullivan. You got Dutch Mantel. You got just incredible. Uh, JJ Dillon. Uh, the list goes on and on over there again. It is the two-man power trip. Patreon.com backslash two-man power trip empire. You can check that out. And of course, you can keep up with me. Richard Bronson Vickery, RBV Eats Out across all social media at The Real RBV. We'll talk to you next week right back here on the Hitting the Marks podcast with Jargo and RBV. But for now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya! Crunch your fingers. Label me. Don't give a f-